You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Joanite Church. That Jacina del Fiore is, has something to offer us, has something that, uh, that we can explore and that can contribute to our own spiritual life and our own spiritual practice. So while... Giacchino da Fiore remains a figure uh, very much within the orbit of the canonical church of Rome. He is also one of us. He is also one of ours. And there is a reason that from, at least as far as, uh, as long as I've been in this church, that Giacchino da Fiore has appeared, of course with his name wrong, um, in our liturgy as one of our saints. That's not an accident, and that's not just a matter of, of uh, personal interests. That reflects a real linkage between his work and ours. So we can just open it up oh, to questions. Yeah. Uh, did he espouse uh, some kind of soteriology that may have been Gnostic in nature? Or, or how, did, how did he discover it? Um, my understanding, and my understanding may well be flawed here, um, is that his soteriology was uh, much more in keeping with the traditions of the Roman Church at the time. Uh, that it was a vicarious, a kind of vicarious salvation, that the sacrifice of Christ is what, uh, what vivifies us. Um, I, I think that we could look, we could look for something beyond that. Um, well, okay, but assuming that, Yeah, this is the meliorism we were talking about, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's not justification by faith alone by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, because, the, because for him, his focus is historical. It is the moving forward of, of the historical, uh, you know, toward the consummation of the age. And, and that happens in and through individuals. So I, I think that, yeah, you would have to see something uh, I'm not sure I would go so far as to say Gnostic there, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, th there is certainly something that goes beyond simply faith alone. Well, uh, to add to the comments on the meliorism, I mean, it's also a very common element of the Benedictine tradition, uh, their primary motto being ora et labora. Ora et labora. And um, as my uh, professors always kindly pointed out, um, they're always uh, semi-Pelagians in the monastery, so. <laughs> you know, Pelagius came from the monastery and it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Any other questions? Pelagius, of course, wasn't actually a Pelagian, but. No. Okay. And, and Luther wasn't a Protestant, and Christ wasn't a Christian, and, you know, so. Yeah. Um, a couple things. Uh, so that, that multi-layered interpretation of, of scripture, that, 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 that originates with Del Fiore. Well, we we see some of those some of that terminology in Augustine. Uh -huh. uh, so the sort of basic, oh, let's look at the literal. You know, let's look then at the the. So we've got the literal and the historical, and then the the moral interpretation. Okay. 
Um, but for the anagogical dimension really seems to be what is, is Jacquino's real contribution to that kind of exegesis. Okay, um, much of his work is simply exegetical. Right. I mean, he just, I mean, the, the expo, uh, Expositio in Apocalypsum is nothing but exegesis of the book of Revelation. That's all it is. Um, that's all it is in multi-volume sets. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, uh, it is um, it, this classification does seem to be unique to, uh, to, to Jacquino. Yeah. Driving Jacquinas to to do this. What's what's the? I mean, other than just his hermeneutic is, is preaching to. Is he hoping that this will be spread throughout the, you know, to Pisa and other seminaries? I think that he has a sense in which he's playing a role in an historical drama, but the sort of immediate sort of dissemination of these ideas is not something that he's. He's not trying to found a new order, for example, or he's not trying to, to create a set of teachings that can then be exported or anything like that. His focus doesn't seem to be on, on that kind of, of direct sort of transmission or dissemination. Something like Hegel, maybe? I, I think, I think and, and I think, unfortunately, I'm, I'm always reading through a sort of Hegelian lens. You're, you're in Hegelizing the viewer. Yeah, I, that's, and, and at least I can be aware of that, of, uh, of that tendency. Um, so I'm certainly very, very sympathetic to that kind of reading, but I, I wonder how much of that is just my own prejudices It, it, it feels a little bit like scripture just bugs you. I think so. Yeah, but then how does, oh, what if? But what at the same time, a, he has specific experiences. And he has visionary experiences. He is a visionary. He is a, a prophet in that sense of the word. Uh, and so I think that this makes those kinds of exegetical moves absolutely personally necessary for him. He, this is something he has to do. Uh, you know, the the Book of Revelation grabs him by the lapels, you know, up up against the wall, to across the face, and says, "You will figure this out." And so he strives to do it, and of course it's it's you know, you know, bashing your head against the wall because it is it doesn't lend itself to simple interpretations at all. So I think that once he's begun that path, it's sort of self-driving at that point. I don't know if that answers your, your question. Does he have any effect later, for example, on the preterists? Um, his there does seem to be. Uh, an influence later, uh, there are those who call themselves Joachimists. Uh, those are roundly condemned by, uh, those are the, the real target of the condemnation of the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215, are these these uh, Also on the spiritual Franciscans. That's where we see uh, a really profound Joachimist uh, uh, influence. His philosophy of history, though, has its influence primarily in the secular world, and is taken up, uh, whether explicitly or implicitly, I think is, is open to a certain amount of question by people like, uh, like Hegel and like Schelling. Uh, so um, there is some continuing influence, and it never seems to totally go away. Of course, he runs into the problem that, that prophets occasionally run into when they get too specific with their prophecies, which is he gave dates. 
Uh, he said that the, the new, the spiritual pope was going to emerge in 1260. And of course, when it didn't, um, you know, there, there is a lot of immediate condemnation of Joachimists as, oh, obviously they have been misled, that their minds have been clouded by the father of lies, that, uh, you know, clearly this has not come to pass. And so it's very, very easy to look at, at his uh, prophetic work and say, well, obviously this is nonsense because 1260 came and went and nothing happened. Um, I don't think it's that simple, and certainly there were those who followed after 1260 who said, yeah, it's not about the date. It's not about uh, you know, making specific predictions and seeing if those predictions are gonna come true. So the influence never totally goes away. And we know this because the, the church seems to find it necessary to continually condemn uh, Giacchino. And uh, this is as recent as, I wanna say 2008 or 2009, when uh, Benedict was sternly uh, told that, uh, that uh, Giacchino was a heretic. Uh, so he had to be sort of reminded that Giacchino was in fact a heretic. By John Paul. I'm sorry? By John Paul. Who, who reminded Benedict? Who reminded Benedict? No, uh, it's, it was, uh, uh, there was a, a presentation by a theologian. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Um, but it's, it, it's sort of a funny little, little aside where where he was very, very adamant. You know, he wanted to make absolutely sure that His Holiness knew that, that Giacchino was a heretic. Um, if the influence goes away, you don't need to condemn people anymore, right? So. But you said that he was himself. He was not condemned. He was not condemned. You can, you can look at the text of the Fourth Lateran Council, um, where basically it says, you know, the work that was going on in Fiori was salutary, was, you know, good for the, the life of the faithful that he himself made a point of submitting his work to, uh, for examination. It's just that some of these ideas are a little bit wonky and, you know, people are taking them in ways that they oughtn't to be taking and things like that. Uh, so as far as I know, there is no formal condemnation of Giacchino himself. Yeah, Brad? Just to be a major pain in the ass, everyone in the room, I hope. I, I will point out that either 1260 or 1261, I forget the year myself, is the recapture of Constantinople from the uh, Fourth Crusade, among other things, establishing the dynasty that uh, transmits the Hermetica and Platonica to Florence. Wow. Nice. Wow. How could we have missed that? Oh, yeah, Ben, that's really horrible. How dare you point How that out? How dare you point this thing out that makes all of this make sense? Um, that's exactly Yeah, right. wow. How could we have missed that? So, I mean, we'll have to look into that. Yeah. Anti-Byzantine bias, as usual. Yeah, yeah true. I claim I, I've been drinking since then. Um. <laughs> Being a fan of him myself, um, one question I've never asked is how is it he ends up in Ireland? I'm afraid that's my fault. But it's a related personal question, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think I was the one who pushed for that. I, th I think well. I think it was it was at a time in the development of our own liturgical tradition where um, the push meant that I put it on a list and nobody noticed, and, uh, <laughs> and so it just sort of stuck around. 
Um, this is something that I've been interested in ever since uh, I was in these philosophy of history uh, lectures with, with Nicholas Largia. Uh, so you can blame Nicholas um, for that. Uh, because it just when I was then writing my dissertation, which is on philosophy of history, um, Giacchino is sort of always looming in the background there. Uh, Karl Lovitz's uh, meaning in history uh, was very, very influential in that regard. Lovitz was, uh, of course, a, a student of Heidegger uh, and uh, takes uh, Giacchino very, very seriously. There's a whole chapter in meaning in history uh, dedicated uh, to Giacchino. To if, if you're interested in a good introduction to philosophy of history, uh, that text by, by Karl Lovitz, um, L-O-Umlaut, W-I-T-H, uh, and I believe it's called Meaning in History, uh, is just a, a stellar, stellar, just sort of figure by figure uh, sort of analysis of that, and his, his reading of uh, Giacchino is very, very good. So, yeah, so that's how he ends up there, just in terms of a purely practical uh, thing. I think it's right. I don't think that that's an error. I don't think that that's a mistake, so. Yeah. He doesn't get condemned. His ideas don't get condemned, but some people who follow his ideas get condemned. Yeah. Why? Um, I, I think that there is that the the interpretations of particularly the spiritual Franciscans begin to verge into a kind of anti-clericalism. That this becomes not uh, oh there's going to be this monastic third age and that's going to transform the church in this very positive spiritual way to to, uh, well, we have to usher in the monastic age, and that means getting rid of the priesthood. Uh, so because the, it, it radicalizes in the, the years following his death in particular, uh, it's, it does become a threat to, uh, yes. So non-Catholic question? I'm sorry, say? Non-Catholic question. I thought all monks were priests. Is that not true? No. So this no. Is, oh, no. okay. So spiritual no, 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 Franciscans no. are not priests. They could or could oh, not. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So there are Franciscan priests who are also brothers. Okay. You know, so yeah, that's not it's right. not a one to one. And for a monk in the Orthodox tradition, all bishops are monks, but not necessarily. But not all priests, right? Which so is why priests are usually married and bishops never are. Right, right, right. That's why that's why you'll see the in the Orthodox tradition the the veil that all of the bishops wear. A lot of people interpret that as oh, that's the veil that the bishops wear. It's not, that's the veil that a monk wears. It just happens to be that all the bishops are monks. Okay. Which helps explain why His Grace's Stomachopia doesn't have a veil on it. Right. Because he's a little less monkey than you I'm a little say. less monkey, but I am still the primate. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I am the eighth of state. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. I apologize in advance for veering the conversation somewhere stupid. Well, I've been doing that for the last hour and 15 minutes. Why should you apologize? Um, uh, your earlier comments, why do people think Obama was talking about, um, and why would that be a bad thing? Isn't, isn't that just the most insane rumor you've ever heard? I mean, that goes beyond, you know, oh, he was born in Kenya or on Mars or where they think Obama was from. It was an attempt to associate him with a kind of uh, New World Order conspiracy. Uh, because uh, in many cases, 
uh, when you start talking about the sort of uh, one world government, new world order conspiracies, uh, Giacchino comes up. And uh, because he has this prophetic sort of dimension. And so I think it was an attempt to associate him with uh, the sort of Illuminati and, and New World Order and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to ask him until you've seen Obama the Pharaoh. Obama cannot. What? <laughs> you haven't seen that? No. <laughs> no. I'm on it. Oh, please. <laughs> Don't be. So. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, please. Can somebody intelligent ask a question? Oh, you mentioned uh, Jekyll and, and esotericism. Um, now, I've, I've heard of an organization, um, that something along the lines, and I, I don't know exactly the, the Joachim Church of the Third Age or something like that, or is, is there something in Platt's question? I know, you are an absolute rat bastard. So, <laughs> um, let's see, for, uh, for the record, yes, there is an organization called the Apostolic Church of the Third Age, oh. which is, is Joachim. Uh, that functions within a fraternal organization called the Order of the Seven Churches of Asia. Um, and it is, it is explicitly uh, Joachimus. Any other questions? All right, thank you very, very much. Thank you.